That's my vote for the greatest to ever lace him up. Tom Brady, greatest of all time, he got my vote. Number one man, greatest quarterback of all time, hands down, Tom Brady. Someone needs to come to me and explain to me what Jordan is better at than LeBron without saying the word six-way. I supposed to be a franchise player, and we ain't here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Plebeians, welcome back to End of Regulation, Episode 7, Final Four, and Opening Day. I'm the host with the most, Monster Mangus, excited to be here, boys. Let's get fucking weird. As you guys know, End of Regulation is simply dedicated to bringing you the analysis and coverage that you both want and deserve in sports and entertainment. A little bit of a spoiler alert, big things are happening here. We are now on iTunes. We have infiltrated the corporate system, ladies and gentlemen. We are in. It's going to be biblical. If you guys want to hear something specifics, DM us on Instagram at end of regulation or Twitter at end of reg. We love you guys to throw us some likes, some love, and we'll return the favor. Enough with the bullshit. Let's cut straight to it and jump into introductions. So we can meet the crew riding pine. Hailing from Massachusetts, a man born of six toes. Tommy Lasagna, how we doing? Six toes, huh? Six well, what's toes, up, G? Huh? Ah. Next on the mic, from Nashville, Tennessee. He fell short in qualifiers to make the men's U.S. speed walking team. Shakes, how we doing, kid? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I, I actually did not fall short. I won the fucking qualifiers. I just got disqualified for um, lifting lifting my foot. For so steroids. that's technically running. <laughs> <laughs> technically running. Lastly, hailing from Burnersville, New Jersey, was an extra in Devil Wears Prada, and we're still interested to see if he's collecting checks from it. Harrison Barrel, Tress Grimes, how we doing, kid? Goddamn right, I'm still getting them checks. Yes, sir. <laughs> Meryl Street money, baby. Hearing that bag. Glad you guys are all here. Um, For the first time ever, we will be bringing on a special guest tonight. We call him Young Gino. Big Instagram follower. He shows us a lot of love. Uh, He will receive a much-deserved introduction when we get there, but we'll take an inside look at both the Yankees, the AL East, and the rest of the MLB as we approach opening day. And then lastly, a special motherfucking shout-out to our producer and host, Tommy Lasagna, yeah, happy yeah. 35th birthday coming up Friday the 30th. Let's go, kid. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> happy birthday time for all my fans listening out there. I'm only 25 on Friday, uh, <laughs> which is a, a scary fucking number to get to. 25, but uh, quarter century. Thank you, boys. Join the quarter century club, club baby. And uh, you know, I'm I'm just happy that we get to be here another day, another episode at End of Regulation. Yeah, and uh, it's only possible because of Blue Balls, Electronics, Copenhagen Pouches, and Bush Light. So shout out there. Throw us a like. Throw us a sponsor. <laughs> We'd love <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, they don't Bush. sponsor Please us. Please sponsor us. It'd be great if they did. Think about it. Yeah, no, no. They don't sponsor us. We're looking for sponsors. Uh, it's, it'll be a miracle, uh, similar to what Sister Jean has done. Well, I am now fully convinced that because she has the hearts of the nation, that it's clearly a front, and it's one of two things. One, she's, like, just taking all of her charitable donations that the school is receiving, and she's just going straight to the book and betting the house on Loyola. She clearly she clearly knows something that we don't. Um, but that's the most obvious 
Uh, but what I really think is happening is she is just scaring the fuck out of these little, you know, Catholic church boys at Loyola Chicago. Like she, I think they roll her into the locker room, and she just like peeks up, like jumps up out of her chair, grows like four inches, and she starts yelling at them, like in. Uh, she whips them. Like, <laughs> I don't know about physical abuse. I don't think that's cool. It's like Jonah Hill at sports. It's like Jonah Hill. Yeah, Jonah Hill, and uh, this is the end. The power of Christ compels you. Oh, does it? Does it compel me? The power of Christ compels you. Does it, Jay? The power of Christ compels you. Is the power of Christ compelling me? Is that what's happening? The power of Christ. <laughs> I mean, that's probably how they've hit fucking three last-second shots and out of four games. Yeah, one of those was against Tennessee, wasn't it? Uh, fuck off. All right, but well, uh, let's not stay. Why don't too much Why don't you break down Loyola and Kansas for us, Tom? Well, uh, all jokes aside, sister Jean jokes aside here. Uh, Loyal Chicago is looking like a good team that deserves to be where they are. Say what you want about the East bracket in general with the one through four seeds losing, uh, which, you know, you can argue that made a path, but they did beat four pretty good teams uh, in Miami, Tennessee, Nevada, and a, a strong Kansas State team that came off a win against Kentucky. So, I mean, I think they're deserving of it. Uh, it's pretty cool that we are seeing an 11 seed for the fourth. This is only the fourth time in history an 11 seed has actually gotten to the Final Four. Uh, shout out my 2011 VCU Rams, uh, who did it last in 2011. Uh, but moving forward, uh, there has never been a an 11 seed to win a Final Four. So unfortunately, I th- I think the buck stops here for Loyola Chicago. I mean, there's something to be said about that. Uh, Sister Jean, as you very well know, had them, I believe, going out in the Sweet 16. So pretty incredible, as you mentioned, you know, plowing all the way through to the Final Four. But, um, you know, any other thoughts on that, boys? Uh, to the contrary, Tom, I think um, the thing you're forgetting, obviously, is the fact that no other Final Four team has had Sister Jean. So um, <laughs> that's, that's why Loyola Chicago will win, a, will win a Final Four game. They'll be the first 11 seed ever to do that. Uh, but they will be going up against a tough-ass Michigan squad uh, that just t- took down uh, Florida State. Um, Michigan is a big team. They're they're long, and uh, the, as opposed to Loyola, who doesn't really have much of a presence down low, Michigan does have some big guys. They have that big-ass German guy like Wagner, um, who's tall as shit. I think he's like 6'10 or something. And um, so he's he's a big presence down low, but you can also step out and hit the three. So he's, like, dangerous on, like, pick and rolls and shit. Michigan gets hot from three. Loyola's a three-point shooting team, though. So uh, that's going to be a fun little matchup to see. But um, even though I fucking hate her and Tennessee, they, she beat Tennessee, I'm rolling with Sister Jean. Sister Jean. Harry? Yeah, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. These, like, Cinderella teams tend to not make it to the final. Michigan's way too hot right now, so uh, this is going to be the end for Loyola Chicago. Another cool story in the books, but it's about to be all said and done. Um, and so, yeah, Michigan's going to come out of this one and make it to the final. As much as I fucking hate to say that because I can't stand the Michigan Wolverines, uh, you know, got to face facts sometimes. Well, I know uh, Michigan, you know, I wouldn't say snuck by, but, uh, you know, they barely beat FSU last week. 
uh, 58 to 54, I believe, was the final score. Um, interested to see, you know, if Harry's right and Michigan's going to take this, you know, all the way to the house. I uh, would love to hear from you guys what your thoughts are on that. Uh, well, I, I, I think aside from Brent here, we're all in agreement that Michigan is going to move on. But to take the whole thing, I think, is uh, a bit of a stretch because of the Villanova-Kansas game. Uh, I think whoever comes out of that is probably gonna probably gonna you know roll past Michigan in the final. Uh, I say that now and I'm probably wrong, but you know that's why we make predictions. I mean, Villanova just easily easily dismantled a fucking very strong Texas Tech team. They are um, so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people even saying, like, you know, Nova was sluggish coming out, wasn't even their best game, um, and they still beat Texas Tech, who was a three seed, by the way, by fucking 12 points, I think. It was like 71-59. But, yeah, Nova is ridiculously good. They're well-coached. They got Jalen Brunson, who's a stud, uh, on the ball, like 19 points a game. Uh, Michael Bridges, uh, their second leading scorer, 18 points a game. So between those two guys, they're they're putting up mad numbers. And really, they just can't be stopped. I mean, they consistently get to the hoop. Texas Tech, I think, was like the first team they probably came against in the tournament that that threw out a zone defense. Yeah, and it took took Nova like bit. seven minutes to to sort of figure that out. And then after that, it was it was game over. They were all they just stroke it. They got the ball inside. They worked it from there and kicked it back out, and it was game over. Well, I I know that uh, if, unfortunately for all of us, if Kansas is able to pull this off, my boy Harry Barrelchest is winning a nice lump sum That's of right. money. That's right, baby. Yo, one of my brackets right now is in the 99th percentile. No big fucking deal. Yes, sir. Um, Who cares about your fucking brackets? Yeah, well, guess what? I do because I'm about to win some money. But, uh, dude, <laughs> this is like no no doubt. Well, I wouldn't say no doubt, but arguably the best game of the tournament is going to be this game, Villanova versus Kansas. Yeah, probably it's, it's the game of the tournament. It's one hundred percent the game of the tournament. Yeah, well, I mean, because like, I, I mean, I'm going to be pulling for Kansas. Obviously, they have a ton of talent, they're a ton of fun to watch. But just like this is just a heavyweight bout. Uh, it's going to be really tough for Kansas to pull this this game out. Um, they've had a pretty tough road in terms of just the teams have had to had to get through to get to this point. Because, uh, you know, I thought the Duke-Kansas game was unbelievable. Uh, I love watching Grayson Allen choke because he's a fucking loser. Dumbass. Um, so dude, dumb. just, just throwing up bricks. He was, try- <laughs> he was, trying, to run- he was trying to run ISOs like he's fucking James Harden out there. Like, what an f- absolute tool. Uh, <laughs> Gone forever, Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> no, but uh, um, you're, you're right. Yeah. I think he was out there just, like, trying to draw a foul and, like, He's probably the one player on the court that the ref's gonna be like, "Dude, fuck you! We're not calling a foul for yeah. you." Yeah. Like you're like, like you're a total piece of shit. Like, why would we give you? Why would we put you like like on the line with like a minute left or like thirty seconds left? Well, we know Harry's opinion uh, on who he wants to go forward, but would love to hear from you, Brent and Tom, who you got going forward, Nova, or Kansas. I would prefer to see uh, Kansas win. I am not a Bill Self hater, although I'm not. I don't dislike Jay Wright either. As a matter of fact, I like Jay Wright. But um, uh, I just sort of Nova is like the the absolute proclaimed favorite, I would say. So I just kind of I, w- I want to see an upset, and I think uh, I think uh, 
championship game with with Kansas versus either one of the other two guys, uh, Michigan or Loyola, would be would be a great game. I think Nova would probably blow them out, which obviously would point to the fact that I think they're the best team. But I'm rooting for Kansas. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a hell of a game. Um, <clears throat> the main thing is Kansas has sort of just been playing. I think um, too hot, sort of like you know they just. I think maybe are playing a bit above themselves. This is sort of the weakest roster they've had in a while, but here they are the furthest in the tournament they've been in a while. But I think Nova is just too big, too fast, too strong. They're going to get to the hoop, and they'll probably win. But go Jayhawks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, riding, I'm riding Villanova. Um, I would, like Brent was saying, it would be nice to see Kansas just because Nova is like the heavy favorite. Um and Kansas actually, you know, they showed a lot. They showed they can score, which is what they're going to have to do with Nova. They're going to have to score. Um, and their freshman, this freshman guard, Malik Newman, had 32 points against Duke, yes. um, including all 13 of Kansas's points in the second half. Or, sorry, in overtime, uh, which is crazy. But I think what's going to ultimately awesome. bite Kansas in the ass is uh, their center, Azabuke. He, he mm-hmm. fouled out of the game. Uh, with like four minutes left in regular time, and at the end of regulation, see what I did there? See what I did there? Nice. They they didn't have him, <laughs> um, and it showed. <laughs> but but uh, I I just think Villanova's offense is too much for any team. They got six dudes that are averaging double digits. That's yeah, wild. That's unreal. And three of three of which are shooting better than forty three percent from three. I I just think. Villanova has too much firepower, uh, and they're going to pull it out again. I, Correct. I think you. Br- I think you brought up a good point, and I'll try to make this quick. But like the Kansas big man is going to be a huge factor in this game because they've got Azubuke and uh, Desusa or Desosa, whatever his name is. Um, both are like very formidable big men. So if they're in the game and they're effective, like I think that's going to be a big turning point for Kansas. Um, you know, if if Villanova comes and shoots as poorly as they did against Texas Tech, I'd like Kansas to win. It's it's hard to say that'll happen because Jay Wright always has his boys get like going, and and once they get in a rhythm, they're pretty much impossible to beat. So, uh, I think those big men are going to be a big um, factor in this. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking to Azubuki to make a big impact. Brent, any last words? No, I mean that's it. My official pick. Uh, I'm I'm riding Loyola, and I'm taking. Nova, uh, just because I think that's the smart bet. But uh, so Nova's probably going to win it all. But uh, that's that's my pick. Yeah, I uh, hate to side with everybody else, but Nova's definitely looking strong. I uh, would love to see him go forward, especially because I have them winning. I believe in our stump simpleton bracket, possibly Kansas, but I'm not sure. I uh, have to double check. But wanted to try something new for you guys uh, now that we're done with college hoops. A little halftime performance to let you guys kick back and relax. Uh, I'm going to let Tom <coughs> or possibly Brent go ahead and explain what we got here for you. Take it away, Tom. Uh, well, you know, as you guys may or may not have known or seen on our Instagram, uh, tomorrow is opening day, my favorite sports day of the year. Some people like the Super Bowl. Some people like March Madness. Give me opening day seven days a week. Uh, like we mentioned last week's episode, there's 16 games tomorrow. Everyone's playing, or 15 games, sorry. Everyone's playing. Um, and for that, we're going to kick it off with a little song that's been synonymous with baseball since its inception. Uh, Put Me In Coach by John Fogarty. 
And we're back. We hope you guys all enjoy that. As Tom mentioned, MLB opening day, baby. The ML fat boy. Uh, if you guys, baseball boys. If you guys are not calling in sick or taking a half day, do us a favor. Slap your fucking self in the face. Uh, or go ahead and take a one-way flight to Mexico or Canada. Because uh, we do not want you here. I, as a matter but, of fact, am going to be leaving work early. And driving, listening to XM Radio for about seven hours on my way to Nashville, listening to the ball games all day, all afternoon long. So I'm pretty fucking excited. I wish I was going to be sitting in front of a television um, with, you know, maybe a bong and some dip. But uh, instead, I'll just be riding in my car with a bowl and some dip, listening to the game. <laughs> you got to make the most of your situation. Par- parked on the side of the road, of course, not driving. No. Yeah, riding passenger. Uh, but his own car. with that being said, with yeah. that being said, uh, so there's no self-incrimination here. Uh, opening day, like I said, is here. We've got some serious talks here for you guys. Uh, we know that we've got an absolute tank lineup in the NL West, so I'll let you guys go ahead uh, and talk about them being the strongest division, possibly hands down, and, and see what you guys have to say. Uh, word, yeah. The NL West, uh, in my opinion, is definitely the strongest division in the whole Major League Baseball this year. Um, starting at the top, we got the Dodgers, who uh, obviously went to Game 7 in the World Series last year versus the Astros, but uh, pretty much bringing everyone back uh, after coming up just short. Um, everyone knows about Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he's the man. Um, sort of broke the, the whole, um, I guess, fuck what what's what's the word here um no the whole idea that he he just couldn't fucking perform in the playoffs last year um he obviously had the reputation before that that he he was Mr. Regular Season perhaps the best regular season pitcher of all time couldn't get it done in the playoffs obviously got very much over that hump last year almost took him to the World Series they bring him back they got Rich Hill they got Alex Wood um and uh how how do you say the last name Kent Maeda um I was looking at uh, scrolling um, the World Wide Web yesterday. Those four guys last year had a combined record of fucking 59 and 21. Starting Four starting pitchers, 59 and 21. That's insane. All of them back. At the back of the bullpen, they have a fucking fireball thrower, um, Kenley Jansen. Um, last year, he was became the second player in history to record 40 saves and 100 strikeouts in a season. So they are not short in the pitching staff whatsoever. They got Cody Bellinger coming back um, last year in his rookie season, had 39 fucking dingers, and he didn't even start playing ball until mid-May. Uh, so they got him. They got Justin Turner. Yasiel Puig obviously had his resurgence last year. And Jock Peterson. Um, Dodgers are going to be back in a big way. I like them probably to win the whole National League, uh, but definitely to win the NL, NL West. Tom, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Brent pretty much hit the nail on the head there with the the Dodgers being the team to beat in the National League, uh, but even amongst this division, there's still a lot of competition, uh, and one team that I kind of like this year is the Colorado Rockies, where they started out last year uh, like pretty hot. And they it, they never really they never really died down, and offensively is what really sprung them. Uh, with their out their starting center fielder Charlie Blackman uh, led the National League in batting average at three thirty seven, and he was third in homers. Uh, but what's craziest is that Blackman is their leadoff hitter. 
usually your best hitter and your power guy is your third hitter or your fourth hitter. Uh, but this guy's combining both of those into one. Uh, and you know what's crazy about the major leagues is you can have a guy named Charlie Blackman lead um, an entire league in batting average, and like 99% of people don't know who the fuck he is. Well, yeah, I, I mean, we can we could start a whole another discussion on fucking the poor marketing of these guys that are just ball players. If you want to talk about Paul Goldschmidt, Mike Trout. Charlie Blackman, even on the same team with uh, with Blackman, they have Nolan Arenado at third base, uh, who was tied with 37 homers last year as well. Um, and what's more impressive about Arenado is that he has 48 more RBIs than any other player over the last three seasons. So you want to talk about offensive production? I think the Colorado Rockies can hang it with anybody. Um, those numbers might be a little inflated because they're playing at Coors Field in Denver, which is like kind of notorious for being a very uh, offensive-friendly park. Um, Higher altitude. You know, I'm excited to see what the Rockies can do. Harry, I know uh, you've got some thoughts, um, you know, on your new transplant city, SF. Any thoughts on the Giants? Uh, Yeah, so, so, yeah, um, you know, I'm still at heart a Yankee fan through and through, but San Francisco Giants are incredibly popular popular out here. Uh, Been to a few games. They're always a good time. but yeah, so they're kind of the other, they're the other team in the discussion when you're talking about this division. Um, you know, I think Tom made some good points regarding the Rockies and their uh, ability to kind of hang in there with, with the best of them. But um, we made some comments a few episodes ago on the Giants about some of the ma- uh, the pickups they've made this season or on the off season uh, between uh, getting Evan Lagoria and picking up Andrew McCutcheon, uh, kind of rounding out the outfield, which is Hunter Pence, Austin Jackson, and Andrew McCutcheon. So incredibly fast, uh, despite Hunter Pence's noodle of a fucking arm, uh, the guy can barely make can guy guy can barely make it to the cutoff out there. Um, but you know they're like so when you look at that, so they're a good defensive team. Uh, they're gonna have Evan Longoria on third, um, and, and he's also gonna help boost that off bolster that offense. Excuse me, uh, which definitely struggled last year. So when you're looking at it, I don't really you know in review of this team, I don't really think I think they're gonna be competitive. I think they're going to be just a bit outside of the playoff picture when it's all, you know, comes to fruition at the end of the season. Uh, having Mad Bum fracture his hand in a preseason game is incredibly unfortunate. He's had his own injury problems the past uh, two seasons. Um, yeah, because he's was a last dipshit. Because he's riding he's a fucking yeah. motorcycles. Yeah, and, and he's just doing stupid shit. I would be fucking furious if I was their ownership. And, and you know, this one was a little bit more of a freak accident, but... The whole like riding the dirt bike and breaking whatever you know whatever the hell happened is just fucking stupid. Um, but yeah, so they still got Johnny Cueto, they still got Jeff Samarja, who are good pitchers. You know, if you put them on a, on another top team, they're you know they're gonna be in the rotation, but they're not gonna be like the one two probably. Uh, so I'm curious to see how they're gonna be able to keep the ship afloat for the time being until Mad Bum can get back. Um, but yeah, so the, you know the Giants are definitely a competitive team. I don't think they'll be able to make it quite to the playoffs, but they're definitely going to be more competitive than they were last year. Well, at the very uh, kind of bottom half of the division, I know Tom had some thoughts on the Diamondbacks uh, and the Padres, so I'll let you kind of kick off uh, and finalize uh, this segment. Yeah, uh, the Diamondbacks still have a lot of good talent, um, but they're fucking idiots, and they let J.D. Martinez sign to the Red Sox, which we'll get to later. Uh, But they still have Jake Lamb and Paul Goldschmidt, uh, and a pretty decent pitching staff, but I don't think they can p- compete with the Dodgers. 
Uh, and, I mean, the Padres made moves. They signed Eric Hosmer from the Royals. But I, they're, they're still light years away from being competitive. So uh, I, I wouldn't Padres expect much from so. them. If you ever travel out to San Diego, my boys are out there. And like I think tickets are like $4 for a Padres game. So if you're ever out in the Southern Cal area, uh, it might be worth the money. But uh, aside from the NL West, I know, Gardner, you had a couple thoughts on a couple teams from the NL Central that you wanted to hit on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely uh, low-hanging fruit, but um, got to love the Cubs. They're definitely an early favorite here uh, in the NL Central. Um, definitely thanks to their star-studded infield with you know Chris Bryant, uh, Javi Baez, I believe. I'm s- Javi Baez, is that how you, yeah? Correct, you yeah. Uh, don't know don't know how to pr- uh, pronounce it properly, but you definitely have the dopest motherfucking steez out there, so props to you. Um, Addison Russell, Anthony Rizzo, um, obviously these are some big names. So I'm liking the Chicago Cubs this year. They've dealt with a bunch of injuries over the last season, but they've been able to largely retain like the core of their 2016 World Series team. Um, so... With that, and obviously acquiring you, Darvish, you. Uh, I think these guys, you know, are definitely going to be a possible favorite in the NL uh, in the NL Central. Um, but you know, would love to hear from you guys and, and what you think. Um, I'm probably yeah. The Cubs, Cubs are the team to beat. Obviously, uh, they're repeat champions in the NL Central. Um, took it deep in the playoffs last year. Won a World Series two years ago. Um, however. The Brewers have been doing big things. Uh, they've been getting better, really, for the last couple of years. They fucking were tanking probably three years ago. Um, and judging by the little social media video of their little Sandlot skit they released the other day, I'm going to say they're going to be one of the funnest fucking teams to watch all season long. Uh, they got a good group of guys. They got a deep, deep lineup. They got uh, Christian Yelich uh, coming from Miami there. They got Lorenzo Cain, Travis Shaw, mayor of uh, Ding Dong City. Don't know if you've ever been there. It's pretty dope. Uh, yeah, exactly. I knew you'd be a fan. Uh, Ryan Braun, everyone knows about him. Um, probably still definitely on the juice. That's all right in my book. Just keep hammering the ball. And then Eric Thames. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, they're just guaranteed to put up runs. You talk about offense. Obviously, uh, the Cubs have offense when they're hot. But the Cubs have a lot of bats. Um pretty well documented that they get cold at times um javi is a streaky hitter and a streaky infielder uh rizzo is streaky hitter at best um who's the uh who's their big fucking dude who who comes in and fucking uh power back kyle schwarber that's right uh schwarb i mean he knocks the shit out of the ball but again streaky it's been working out um it definitely has been working out but you never you never know when teams are over the hill um, I know for a fact that if any team can put up runs to compete with the Cubs, it's going to be the Brewers. Um, so with that being said, I, I kind of like them. The the one drawback that they have is I'm just not sure their rotation is deep enough. It's definitely not definitely not up to par with the Cubs. So it's going to be all on the bats for them. I totally missed this Sandlot skit and pretty bummed. Don't know how uh, that one slipped by me, but you want to give me a quick rundown on, on what happened? Uh, it's pretty sick. Uh, you know, it's the scene where he where Porter steps up to the plate and he's like, Hamilton Porter. Hamilton the Bay Porter. Long ball Porter. Come on, Nunes. And then he just fucking jacks it and jogs across the bases. That's uh, that's the scene. They all dressed up, wore their, wore their caps backwards, you know, all good stuff. 
Actually, I'm. I think tonight I'm probably gonna hop on Netflix, and I'm pretty sure The Sandlot is on Netflix. Confirmed. I think if you haven't seen it, you need even to see if you it. have seen it before. Iconic. I think it should be ritual for America. It should be in the Constitution on opening that you day, have baby. to watch The Sandlot on the eve the of opening, opening day. day. <laughs> well, um, well, before we get a team uh, that too fucking much, everyone hates. Um, let's talk about the Cardinals. Let's start by saying fuck the Cardinals. But Grimes, Grimes, <laughs> let's hear what you got on this. Yeah, yeah, the Cardinals are are always a team that are in the mix. Uh, so I don't know if you guys remember this off season, but the Miami Marlins, uh, led by led by the the you know sus- uh, I don't know how you say it. it's like a you know a little suspect managing by their new owner Derek Jeter and, and his ownership group uh, had a bit of a fire sale, and the, and the and the Cardinals thought they dipped their pen in that ink uh, while that was going on, and they picked up uh, Marcel. Ozuna uh, had 37 home runs last year, so he's going to really help revamp that offense that struggled uh, the past season. Um, they suffered from you know having a real power bat like like the Red Sox, um, but have several players like Tommy Pham and uh, Jed Giorco. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but it's okay. Uh, and Matt Carpenter, who who are all like you know hit for hit for play kind of guys you know they're trying they, they get on base consistently so having uh ozuna in, in the lineup there is definitely going to help him out um so the offense production look for it to skyrocket uh more importantly uh can't wait to see carlos martinez well, and what he can do on the mound this year despite some con- uh, control issues last year martinez finished second in innings pitched and seventh in strikeouts among nl pitchers um you know, he brings the heat and plays a fuck you attitude, similar to, to a young Pedro Martinez. Rest in peace, Don Zimmer. Uh, and, and uh, you know, pairing him with uh, Michael Waka and Adam Wainwright, you know, the cards the cards are easily a team that could, that could steal this division, uh, depending on, you know, how pitching's doing and, and how those bats are performing. So, you know, look for them to kind of be, to maybe maybe steal that away from the Cubs. So we'll, I we'll fucking see hope uh, that. how that all plays the, out. The, as a Braves fan, there's probably no bigger thorn in the side of of us in general than i would say the the cardinals and the dodgers those are two of my least favorite teams recently it's been the fucking giants so go figure all of those teams are in the playoff chase especially the dodgers um the braves fucking suck but here's to hoping the cardinals don't even sniff the playoffs well seemingly the uh the reds and the pirates are, are not uh, in the lineup for a playoff run this year, God, seemingly are in. Poor Joey Votto. Uh, you know they seem to be in rebuild mode, so not much to be said there. We'll we'll keep it short and sweet. Um, seems like they'll have a pretty rough season, but uh, perfect segment to just roll into AL Central and have Tom kick us off here um, and spit a little truth. Uh, so just like the last couple of years, the AL Central is the Cleveland Indians to lose. I just they just have too much talent. Um, they just got great players. They got Miguel Ramirez at third. They got Francisco Lindor at short. Uh, just very balanced uh, offense, and their pitching staff is among the best in baseball. Uh, Corey Kluber, you might have heard of him, uh, won a Cy Young last year, and choke well, choke artist. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Well, anyways. He, Do you remember the playoffs? The um, and I, he was battling injuries last year. Their whole pitching staff sort of was. Uh, one thing about the Indians, they may start out a little slow like last year. And I just I can't wait for like in, in May you're going to turn on TV and ESPN is going to be shitting all over them. 
And then when September rolls around, they're just going to have the fucking Indians' dicks so far down their throat. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm telling you, it's going to happen right now. Cleveland. Everyone loves a good Cleveland story. They'll 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 start out slow. They'll add to the whole oh Cleveland uh, sports city sad boy story bullshit. And then the Indians will be in the playoff contention. They'll be in the World Series contention come September. Uh, one team, yeah, for sure. One team that can compete with them is the Minnesota Twins. Uh, they also are stout offensively, but I'm not sure they have the rotation uh, to keep up with the Indians. But I definitely see the Twins grabbing a wild card spot, and maybe you know if if they if you know if it's in the cards, they might pull the division off. I'm not sure. But I like I like the Indians right now. Well, yo, one thing, one thing before one thing before we move on from these guys, I thought did any of you guys see the the Trevor Bauer thing where he got paid more than yeah. asked for in arbitration, and now he's doing that. Okay, first of all, I don't know how you guys feel about this. Quite frankly, don't really care. I think that was like the fucking lamest thing I've ever seen in my life. He's doing this like sixty nine gate sixty nine days of, of giving back, and he's gonna pay like four hundred sixty nine thousand no, dollars twenty nine cents point. per day for sixty nine days. Dude, what if dude? That's the fucking lame. Like you are like, I don't know who I don't know. Trevor Bauer is a very good pitcher. Don't get me wrong. That that sent him right down to my yeah. shit list. That's very that's quickly. Like the kind of person when if you're talking to somebody you don't really know and you're like, do you smoke? And they're like, smoke what? It's like, shut, shut the fuck up. I mean, his name is Trevor. Yeah, it's dude. just like you're... Yeah. <laughs> Trev. Yeah, go, that's a good point. It's Trev. I did, so I did like him on the but now I don't loser. like him at all. Hate him as yeah, a fuck, fuck him. No, no way. You, Harry. All right, uh, let's it. roll it on into the NL East. Good thing is there's not even fucking much to talk about. The NL East is sort of a dumpster fire outside of the Nationals. Um, Phillies are rebuilding a little bit. They it'll it'll be between them and uh, the Mets pretty much competing for second place, and then my fucking Braves probably bringing in uh, fourth above the Marlins, who, as everyone knows, just sold everyone thanks to Derek Jeter pulling an inside job for the Yankees. Um, I can't believe no one's still talking <laughs> about that. Like I guess he's he's just gonna work there and everything's gonna be fine. Ridiculous, um, but. Um, Anyways, yeah, the Nationals obviously a strong team. Um, went to the uh, pennant championship game last year and uh, bring pretty much everyone back. The big story is going to be Daniel Murphy. Um, he's got to stay healthy. He's really the best contact hitter they got outside Bryce Harper. Uh, they also have speedster Trey Turner, of course. Uh, that kid is fast as fuck. Um, so a lot of it, a lot of it for the Nationals. If they want to get over the hump, which I think last year was their first. Um, first playoff series win ever, right? Is that is that right? Yeah, they they've sort of been notorious for all season long being like the team to beat, and then getting to the playoffs. They're basically just like every other Washington sports team. Washington team, yeah, just like the Capitals. But yeah, I mean the story is for the Nationals. They just got to stay healthy. Uh, Bryce Harper's a beast. I, I like him to repeat as NL MVP again. Um, they got Adam Eaton, like I said, Trey Turner. Uh, they need to play 150 plus games and get on base and and run the bases like those guys do. Uh, Steven Strasburg, hell of a pitcher, uh, also has struggled with injuries in the past though, so he he needs you know 30 starts or more 
uh, for them to be the team that they need to be. Um, I don't necessarily like them to win 100 games. I think that's a little too much for them. I don't really think they're going to have any problem whatsoever with the NL East, though. And they'll probably win uh, 93, 95 games, something like that. Like I said, uh, they just need those guys. Daniel Murphy is is a hell of a hitter. Um, The Braves, the only fucking storyline that I even have to talk about with them is Ronald Acuna, uh, star um, prospect, number one overall rated prospect in the in the minors at the moment, uh, the kid was fucking raking in spring ball. He hit like 427 or something like that, 432 I think, and and four jacks. But he's uh, he got assigned to AAA to start, and uh, I mean I look for him to be playing before June. So we'll see what happens with him. Freddie Freeman is always solid. Hopefully Dansby Swanson doesn't suck ass this year. And other than that, it's all about the Nats. Well, one thing one thing I do have quick to say about your your Phillies comment. Uh, they're definitely improving, and as a dark, very dark, dark horse, I like Aaron Nola. Learn him. Learn his name. Watch his stuff. Aaron Nola from the Philadelphia Phillies to be in contention for an NL Cy Young this year. You heard it here first. I'll remember that. Let's let's jot that down for Tom here. I know, uh, Gardner, I know you wanted to hit on uh, the AL West real quick. Yeah, man. Um, I obviously uh, am really excited to see the Astros return this season. Uh, defending champs, according to Bavada uh, and Vegas, uh, they have Houston winning back-to-back championships. Um, they've returned again with their you know entire championship roster, similar to the Cubs. Um, plus, they've got even better, some would say, by acquiring Pittsburgh Pirates ace Garrett Cole, uh, and then throw him in the throw him in the mix with Cy Young winner Dallas Keuchel uh, and Justin Verlander, um, who's starting tomorrow, uh, and you've got a pretty outstanding team. So, uh, I think this is kind of the team to beat, not only in the AL West but just in general. Um, obviously, with Jose Altuve coming back MVP last season, um, leading with three, you know a 346 average. Um, you know, we've got a really exciting team to watch this year. Um, so would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. But I'm thinking, according to Bavada and what it's looking like with how stacked they are, they might be doing, uh, you know, a double appearance in the world championship here. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's a whole lot to say there. Uh, they have Jose Altuve, who fucking led baseball with a 346 average last year. Reigning MVP, uh, Carlos Correa, Springer, Bregman, like there's just so many fucking names on that team. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. I think next year, especially if they do repeat, half of these names are going to be gone just because they're going to be you know such high prices on all these p- players. There's no way that the Astros are going to sign them all. So I think yeah, you're right. They're going for it this year. Uh, and aside from whoever comes out of the AL East, which we're going to get to, uh, there's no doubt this team's probably the World Series favorite and the American League favorite. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think there's no arguing that point. Uh, Astros have to be the favorite to win it all. Well, um, on that note, real quick, I'd like to intervene and give our uh, fans who may or may not gamble on sports a couple opening day looks tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to keep a running tally once a week 
Uh, you know, we were recording on Wednesday, so I'll give you picks for Thursday's games or Friday's games. Uh, today, opening day games, I like Boston, I like Houston, I like Detroit, I like St. Louis, and I like Minnesota. Make sure you put money on them because those are daddy's picks this week. Here are my picks for opening day. Fade the fuck out of Tom. All right. Brent, I'll take your action. Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, do we have any other side notes or hot takes before we kind of conclude the ML boy? Uh, I'm just – shout out my boy Mike Trout. Uh, poor guy was injured last year and still had better stats than almost everybody in baseball aside from obviously Jose Altuve. Uh, he deserved to win MVP, but if Mike Trout stays healthy this year, he will win MVP. Do yourself a favor. If there's a Friday game and you see the Angels are on at 10 o'clock on the East Coast, sit down and watch it. If the Angels are on TV, sit down and watch it because this guy doesn't get enough looks, and he is just an incredible baseball talent. You hear Bryce Harper. You hear Judge. You hear Stanton. Mike Trout deserves to be mentioned before any of those players. He is truly incredible at what he does at the dish, and I, I wish that, you know, I wish more people would talk about him. Um, Stroking. I got one for you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put my money where my mouth is and say Ronald Acuna, Atlanta Braves, uh, will be rookie of the year. So okay. um, look for him to come on the scene maybe late May, um, sometime in June possibly, and right from the start he's going to be in the conversation for NL rookie of the year, and he's going to win that shit. So that's that's my take for MLB. We'll, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for, for opening day. Well, like we said, Emil Boy is here. We'll wrap up that segment. Uh, I think kind of at the end of the day for me, uh, come October, most important thing is Red Sox and Yankees. Uh, I know this is you know heated argument amongst us hosts. Um, but on that note, without further ado, uh, we would like to introduce our first special guest on the show, uh, a pinstripe fan, true pinstripe fan, a Bronx native, uh, a man whose first words were the great Bambino. Uh, and he's here to grace us with his presence uh, and a breakdown on the AL East. Um, so, Mr. Young Gino, how we doing? Hey, what's good, fellas? Or I guess I should say squids. That's how you guys identify yourselves, right? <laughs> squids. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I got to look. I, I guess we had some technical difficulties, right? So I got to look at Tommy Lasagna in his Red Sox jersey right now. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, so I'm going to flip this phone upside down, so he's going to be looking at my ceiling. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We'll see. Hey, who's in Aruba right now? Is this the host? Yeah, yeah. Gardner's, uh, Gardner's relaxing in Aruba right now, recording live from the fucking poolside in his hotel. Outstanding. It must have been tough to find those bush lights in Aruba, huh, Gardner? Yeah, man. No bush lights here. No bush lights here. <laughs> that is a crying ass shame. <laughs> Total right. shame. All right. All right. Well, uh, I guess let's you know let's get down to business. Like you know, as a as a sports podcast, we really try and hit on every team. We we try and stay impartial. But when we're talking opening day, uh, you know, we got to talk Sox Yankees. This is the biggest rivalry in sports. Uh, I don't care what you have to say about it. It's the best rivalry in sports, and that's why we have to get so in-depth. So uh, I guess first off, you know, obviously I'm a Sox guy. 
Uh, and the Sox are riding their second consecutive AL East title, uh, with, and they're largely retaining most of their, their 2017 team. Uh, I, I definitely like, uh, the top half of our staff with Price and, uh, and Chris Sale, obviously, to 1-2. The, the back half of our team is a little questionable. Um, and obviously, offensively, uh, we're bringing in JD Jumbo Dong Martinez to provide a little power. So, uh, I, I like where we're at right now. Uh, new manager kind of worries me a bit, but for, for right now, I, I, I think the Red Sox have definitely a fighting chance against the revamped Evil Empire in New York. Let's go. Uh, Gina, you want to, uh, you want to give a little insight on your Yankees? Yeah, I mean, I just to drop a little context, I mean, uh, I'm a New York sports fan across the board, I mean, uh, G-Men, Rangers, and, you know, Knicks in October a little bit. Let's go. But, but, uh, but the Yankees, uh, that's where, that's where I show my most verb, without a doubt, um, I, uh. I'm that 31-year-old Yankee fan that, uh, you know, that was kind of born into the right time, you know, for, uh, you know, I fall into that demographic that, that has never seen a losing season, you know, I've seen five, five, seen, I've seen five titles, which, which easily could have been, could have been seven, I was thinking about it before I came on today, I was like, you know, if Mariano doesn't that double play ball in 2001 I said that's that's five of six and they're probably the, the best dynasty in the history of Major League Baseball but uh but you know with that you know I've seen a lot of changes in the AL East and uh a lot of different identities of the New York Yankees as, as we progress over the years and and uh unfortunately I've had to watch uh those Red Sox uh teams do their thing yes sir um, yes sir yeah so but I you know I gotta Gotta pay respect, but you know when it comes down to this year, I think it's going to be a completely different narrative. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think what initially what really comes down to, uh, sort of this year more than other years is the JD Martinez and John Carlo sort of standoff here, where the Yankees quickly shelled out a small lump sum of three hundred and twenty-five million fucking dollars uh to sign John Carlo and rightfully so the boys owed his money uh but I think the Red Sox got their money's worth and more in JD Martinez uh, I, 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 I really hate to step on your foot right there but I have to uh we didn't stop. it wasn't like we it wasn't like we went out and signed Stanton like he you know he had that no trade clause and he was kind of like you know he had to pick and choose what teams he wanted to go to and it was He's like, I'm going to the Yanks, and I'm going nowhere else. So it's not like it's not like the old Yankees that went out just and signed this dude for three hundred thirty-five million or whatever he's owed over his over the uh, you know the course of his contract. But you know um, that was a trade, buddy. That wasn't a signing. You mean like they did when they stole Johnny Damon and Jacoby Ellsbury from us? Stole. I don't think I, I don't I don't think Damon was much of a steal, and Jacoby Ellsbury may be one of the worst signings in the history <laughs> of the New York Yankees, specifically Brian Cashman. But anyway, well, you should be you, we should be you should be glad that we took fucking Ellsbury off your plate. 
Yeah, I mean, fuck fuck Jacoby Ellsbury. Literally. Fuck Jacoby Jacoby Ellsbury. He will be a pinch runner this year. I hope he stays on the DL all year. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess aside from the the MVP trophy that Giancarlo is now toting, uh, I will say that J.D. Martinez has been a better slugger uh, in terms of percentage over the last four seasons. He only ranked he ranked second to everybody except for one Mike Trout. Uh, you guys might have heard of him. He's a pretty good hitter. Um, so I, I think JD's going to fit in well with our team, especially um, you know now that everyone's healthy again and we have that sort of defined power hitter. Because for a lot of last season, we looked at Mookie. We looked at fucking a rookie Andrew Benintendi was batting third for a lot of the fucking season. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, and Bogarts, you know, he was hurt a little. Um, Hanley, Hanley had 30 dingers, but for some reason I'm still not impressed with him. I expected more. So I'm hoping that Martinez can sort of fill that void and balance out our roster to sort of resemble what we looked like in 2016. I mean, I mean to go... I, I could... I mean, I can go back at that. I don't know much about J.D. Martinez outside of that. I thought he was just slightly above mediocre when he was with uh, Detroit. And, you know, all of a sudden this guy becomes, you know, the top free agent on the market in the offseason because of what he does, you know, out there in Arizona last year. And, you know, you need to pay attention to, to, to most of his home runs go out to right field and, and – What's what's right field in Fenway? Three eighty, right? You know, down outside of that pole. Yeah, the pole's so, close, but it it juts out quick. You're right. So it's a, so it's a bit hasty to have the expectations that this guy is going to have put up monster numbers for you. But I mean, your points are sound. He's going to he had he protection that lineup, and you guys were left. I believe I saw it there. I think last in uh, in home runs. You would be correct. Uh, You're correct. Yeah, yeah, Hurts to yeah, say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, speaking of lineup padding, like, you want to talk about padding, having Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez to sandwich Giancarlo Stanton, I, I, I think they're going to have some fun with that lineup. And it hurts me to say that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think they're going to be uh, – uh, uh, they're going to put up a lot of runs. Well, we spoke briefly last night, Tommy, and, and like, you challenged me to, to, you know, put together some expectations of this year. You know, pertinent to the AL East, and and I, I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to trying to consider this through like the most unbiased lens possible as like a reasonable <laughs> sports fan, and I think 95 or 96 wins is going to get it done in the AL East, and I have expectations that the Yankees will win the AL East this year, probably you know in direct contradiction to to you, which is. <laughs> You know, you know, is entirely acceptable. But um, even though three out of five of these teams, I think they're going to be sub 500 in the AL East. I, I, I really think, um, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be the AL East old where the Yankees will sweep a season series against the Rays or the Orioles. I mean, we're really going to internally beat up on each other. So, for sure, uh, mid, yeah, mid nineties will get this done. Um, and obviously we can go position for position, but I, you know, I don't think that's necessary. I think, I think what it's all going to come down to is uh, 
is uh, who's going to pitch it better and who's going to play better defense. And, um, you know, it gets, it's, it's just simple logic. You know, good pitching beats good hitting, and your team's approved it. My old team's approved it. And uh, and although I'm very, very excited about, about this Yankee lineup, there's still a lot of question marks on it. You know, I, when we went down against Houston last year, I felt a hell of a lot better in the offseason going into this year than I do right now, a couple, I guess, you know, we're, we're maybe you know, what, 12, 13 hours before first pitch on opening day, so, um, I mean, although the Yankees, you know, have all this star power, they, uh, they, uh, there are a lot, a lot of question marks, especially on the right side of the infield. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we, I, I know, what is it, how long is Gary Bird out for? Does anybody have that number? Five six weeks. weeks. Yeah, so that's that's going to be a big fill. And I mean, same with the Sox. We're also missing Pedroia. He had knee surgery at the end of last year. And like, if this was four or five seasons ago, I'd be I'd feel a little bit better about it. But he's getting old. He's the oldest player on our team. And like, we have we have Eduardo Nunez to fill in, but he was fucking hurt last year too. So I think there's definitely a big question mark for us um, at second base as well. Um, I, I think where the, the teams, the Red Sox and the Yankees are a lot more similar than they are different. I know we were, uh, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Um, but going, going back quick to the point I made, uh, about sort of filling that void that Ortiz left, I just wanted to chime in, um, in the 2004 ALCS to my, this is my favorite, arguably my favorite baseball moment ever. Um, I remember watching this game, I was up with my dad and my brother, and it was like 1.30 in the morning, in game four of the 2004 ALCS, 12th inning, David Ortiz hit a fucking moonshot to win game, the first game of the 2004 ALCS, uh, which if you guys remember, the Red Sox then went on to win games five, six, and seven, and route to a World Series win, uh, which was... Unbelievable. So I just wanted to uh, remind you Yankees fans out there listening of that. I watched 30 for 30. I try to forget 2004. <laughs> four, four days in October, baby. Yeah, I watched it one time. You got you got me for one time for that. But, uh, you know, if there's a such thing for, for stars aligning for something to happen, obviously there, there are anomalies in sports we just saw. You know, a sixteen beat a one in March Madness, and and you know when if I can look, look back on 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 how that all happened, and we don't need to to break down the box score of that game because you know Robertson steals second, and whoever knocked him in to tie that game in the ninth inning, there was that sense of impending doom even up three zero during the two thousand four series, and I give mega props to that team. Uh, uh, like the identity of that Red Sox team was very, very similar to to the teams to the teams that I grew up with. You know that I'm still like very, very, very biased to. And um, you know, going back to what I had said about why I believe that came about is, you know, Yankees teams had largely changed by that point. I mean. On that 2004 roster, you had guys like, you know, Kenny Lofton, uh, Gary Sheffield, like, A-Rod's first year in 2004. I mean, the, 
the, uh, the the whole personality had completely shifted. That whole locker room had completely shifted. And uh, I think we won game three, 17-8. And once you guys <laughs> yeah. won game, once you guys game four, and I'm not just saying it because it's years after the fact. I kind of had that feeling that I was having this conversation like that. I was like, this is not good because there was major holes in that bullpen that year. Um, but, you know, that's, that's baseball history. You go down, I mean, it's probably the, 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 the greatest couple of days in the history of Boston sports in the you know, Def- last 30 years. Definitely, sure. definitely. And I remember, it's funny because I remember the, the sort of persona of that team was like, we're the idiots. Like, don't. I remember going into Game Four. It was like, "Don't let us win one. Don't let us win one." Yeah, uh, Kevin Millar. Kevin yeah, Millar. yes, sir, Kevin Millar. You can probably catch him on MLB Network nowadays. Yeah. Well, 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 as I was saying, you know, going back to that, that I think the Yankees had like a twenty-game lead at some point during that season, and you slowly started to see that that big lead diminish. And I mean, you had the two thousand three build up. Um, to what happened in '04, and you know, 2003. If Josh Beckett doesn't turn into like the second coming of Satchel Paige, we win that World Series <laughs> against the Marlins too, and that would have been another one for that dynasty. But um, but anyway, the, like I said, the dynamics of the Yankees had changed at that point, and, uh, and 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 you guys start chasing this down in August. And then September comes, and you draw it down to a two-game lead. And I kind of like—I kind of like shed a little light uh, last night when we spoke, when we briefed about this interview. I said I got a really good story about Trump. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, we're all yeah, looking forward about, to hearing uh, that. Uh, uh, about, yeah, about this, actually, the uh, our commander in chief, I should say, not just Trump. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, so it's two thousand four, and uh, I worked at his golf course and. Briarcliff, uh, his first golf course. And it's me and him late in September. Uh, and we're on we're on the 14th hole. It's a waterfall hole. And it's just me and him out there, right? And uh, and we're chopping it up. We're having a good time. I had caddied for him a couple times before. And uh, and his phone goes off. And he, answered the, and he answers the phone. And he's like, He's like, oh, what's up, George? How you doing? Like, typical Trump. Like, he is the same person that you see now on TV as he was, you know, you know, when I was a kid working for him, you know, what's this, 15 years ago. But anyway, his phone goes off, he answers the phone, he's like, George, your team's great, don't worry about it. And obviously, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there, and I'm like, you know, Steinbrenner's on the phone, right? So, Trump... Trump, this is flip phone days, right? So Trump, yeah. you know, flips his, like, oh, it was already flipped open. He puts the phone on speakerphone and the conversation continues. <laughs> and uh, and he's totally, like, pumping Steinbrenner up. He's like, don't worry, you're the best owner in sports, the New York Yankees, this, that, and the third, whatever he says, right? So ends the conversation, hangs up the phone, and he turns to me and he goes, he goes, hey, Gino. I'm like, what's up, Mr. Trump? <laughs> he goes, and he goes, that was George Steinbrenner on the phone. And I was like, yeah, I totally play it off. I'm like, oh, no shit. I was like, ah, that's, that's cool. That's, that's awesome, right? And I'm walking, and he rides in a cart, so I'm walking in the green. I'm carrying this putter, and it just hit me. I was like, this dude just needed to brag to a 17-year-old kid that he was on the, phone <laughs> the, the Yankees. You know, but it all makes, it all, I mean, it all makes sense, because, like, years later, I, I read, 
the, uh, the you know Joe Torre's book that he wrote with Tom Verducci, the Yankee years, and he had said that Steinbrenner was was pathological in that, and that's what annoyed Torre the worst was that like Steinbrenner was constantly calling him up, like you know what's your feel on this, and he'd be like, you're like, like George, it's 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 May. You know, we, just, we just lost three games in May. Like, you know, chill, 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 chill the fuck out, bro. You know, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I've, I've recycled that story quite a bit since since since, he, since he's become our president. You know, I mean, cool. dude, that's that's pretty fucking funny because that's like before presidency was ever a thought. And he would, talk, he would, he would, the, the whole conversation was dominated by The Apprentice. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, ring, ring, fucking Steinbrenner's on the line, and uh, and then he's got to tell me he's on the phone with the president of the Yankees. So, so I have uh, I have a, a quick question about Trump golfing. I've seen yeah, yeah. I've seen some video of him just like pulling up directly onto the green. Did did he happen to do that in any of the eighteen holes you played with him? No, he would never drive on the greens, but he would he would. He'd play around the golf in like two hours. So like you got you got the media hating on this guy. Like oh like you know he plays, you know, he's played like six hundred rounds of golf since he's been sworn in. And I'm I'm reading his article and I'm like, but these people don't know this guy plays eighteen holes in like fifty six minutes. You know, <laughs> not, not 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 on greens, but but he, you know I'm sure he's dri- driven on the fringe a couple times, had plenty of times. Gino, I, I gotta, I gotta ask, what are you doing on opening day? I am not an opening day guy. I've never been an opening uh, day guy. I, uh, you know, fuck, man, I'm off. We'll see. I mean, I, I last year I went to thirty games, uh, around thirty games. Uh, I went to every playoff game, but one, which ended up being uh, game four. Of the ALCS when when Judge and and uh, and Sanchez hit back to back doubles and we and we came back against the Astros to tie two two the night. But anyway, yeah, man, I'm 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 always in the stadium. I live in Yonkers, so I mean, I drive uh, I drive right to the four train Woodlawn take down to the stadium there all the time. But uh, I'll probably just be chilling on my couch, man, and uh, and watching. And, you know. Uh, I don't know. It'll be it'll be it'll be a game time decision. But uh, I've never been to an opening day. I mean, I've been done. I think it's I think it's it's steadfast to say that I've been to a couple hundred games, but never never an opening day. Damn. Damn. All right. Well, uh, I guess just to sort of to to wrap things up here on the the AL East. Obviously, you know, we've argued our sides. Uh, one thing I do want to hit on to keep ourselves honest a little bit. What do you think the biggest weakness is for the New York Yankees this year? Um, I've given this a lot of thought, and I can go a lot of different directions on the biggest weaknesses. Uh, in your notes, in your notes, you you, you want to you know we were supposed to talk about a pitching point. I, I don't I don't see many flaws in the Yankees pitching staff, especially their bullpen. Um, um, and, and this is counting the chances out. I still think we have the strongest bullpen uh, in the major leagues right now, and 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 I'll and I'll take a top three against anybody. I think I think Severino may win the Cy Young Award, but um, right now we have question marks. We have major question marks on the right side of the infield with Bird out. Who's going to play second? Uh, is, is Tyler Wade going to get a crack? Uh, is Neil Walker going to be the first baseman? I don't agree with that. I think Tyler Austin should be plugged in for opening day as our starter, which uh, won't be the case. Um, but I would say 
And I mean, this is just such a bougie statement to say, but I really think it's outside the lines. It's uh, it's what are we going to get out of Aaron Boone? I mean, is he is he going to be a celebrity manager? I mean, like, how is he going to be in the game managing a managing a pitching staff? Uh, uh, you know, managing a clubhouse uh, with a lot of different personalities and. Uh, and, and and this all builds up the escalation. You know, this this walks it right up to, to Cashman. I mean, this is largely why Joe Girardi is not our manager because he was not a Cashman suck boy, so to speak. I mean, he was not manipulated by the offices, and he was the one that penciled in the lineup card every single day. So, are we going to see? Are we going to see Aaron Boone get manipulated and and and, and have and have? Uh, you know, Randy Levine and and, 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 and Brian Cash and tell him how to run his team? I don't know. Um, but, uh, but between the lines, I I mean, I don't see many weaknesses. I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, y'all, like, y'all have the fucking a million home runs combined between your first five batters. It's, 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 it's going to be hard to beat the Yankees, I think, when they can put up fucking eight runs a game. Um... But I, I think on that same point, I think you're right, where the, the new manager coming in, it's, it's going to be difficult to manage a group of players of, of high caliber with such high expectations. And I think that's really, it, it might be an issue with the Red Sox too, um, where you have this team that's star-studded, there's millions, we have the highest, the highest payroll in baseball. And we're bringing in a first-time manager, Alex Cora, who actually is an ex-Red Sox, uh, which is cool. But it actually worries me because he played with Pedroia a few years ago. And I, I, I hope it doesn't get in the way of, you know, if, if Pedroia gets healthy and Eduardo Nunez is batting, you know, 375 and he's got 10 dingers through, you know, the first month and a half of the season... Are you really going to be able to just bring Pedroia back, or are you going to bench the Hawkeye? No, absolutely, absolutely. You bring Pedroia back, and 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 to chip off like that point right there. First off, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Girardi played with Jeter, and he had tension with Posada in 2006. That wasn't an issue. And and you and you asked me what the biggest weakness is with the Yankees. I mean, not to not to continue my point, but I don't think we have a unifier in the clubhouse and if we talk about Dustin Pedroia and you talk and and you consider his pedigree as a winner as a gamer I mean that's the that's that's the only reason that I can logically come up with that Brett Gardner will be in left field for us because if it wasn't for him probably being the uh default if I'm using that word in the right context Yankee captain Clint Frazier would be our left fielder so um Bench Bogarts. I mean, I'm not too impressed with him. And Pedroia goes to second base, and and, and hopefully, hopefully it'll be a good baseball season. Hopefully, it'll be an active August and September. I mean, yeah, I hope so. Uh, shit. All right. Well, uh, I guess I guess we'll wrap up our our ALE segment on that. Obviously, Gino's got the Yanks. I got the Sox. Uh, fucking. Loser, Harrison, and Gardner, New York losers. You already know. You're outnumbered here, Tom. Yeah, I don't even know why I want to count. Brett, you with me this season? Yeah, go Sox. Go Mookie. Yeah, you know Mookie. I'm repping that Mookie jersey right here, baby. 
Who's that? Yes, Shakes? Sir. Is that Shakes? I haven't heard him all, all interview. <laughs> Yeah, um, Mookie Betts a Nashville guy. I'm a Nashville guy, uh, so I, I root. I root for Mookie, but uh, I'm at heart I'm a Braves fan. But the Braves are not shit uh, of the last couple of years. So um, I'll I'll help even the odds here with with Tom, and I'll I'll root for the Sox this year. Well, Gino, man, it was an absolute pleasure. We're glad we were able to have you on uh, and have you kind of shed some light on what's going to go down i think we all know what is going to go down and that's the yankees taking the al so uh excited to see how it plays out we've still got a lot of baseball so hopefully we'll be able to get you on later this season man oh for yeah, sure all-star all, all break boys bring me back on we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll check back in and see where we're at but thanks for bringing me on podcast this is seven right yeah episode oh, yeah. Number seven yes sir that's mickey Mantle, baby Yes, sir. Hey. Uh, <laughs> all right, hey, Gino. Thanks a lot, my take man. Take care, Gino. All right, boys, take care. Later. I do want to go ahead uh, after that segment and thank young Gino for giving us some love. I also do want to say that Tom is on the record saying that if the Orioles, the Blue Jays, or the Tampa Bay Rays win the AL East, he'll get one of their logos tattooed on his ass. So that is I'm will. definitely holding you to that. I will. That's I will do it. I will pay for it. I promise, written. because I know it's not going to happen. Oh, my Atlanta. I can't wait. I'm actually rooting for all, all of them now. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, boys, uh, as always, it was a pleasure. I'm glad we got to bring on a special guest. We hope that you guys like it. Um, as always, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to roll out a new segment called Buzzer Beaters, a little bit of uh, a wrap-up here, um, and we'll let Harrison kind of kick us off. Yeah, just a uh, last thought before we before we get out of here. Um, you know, I, I want to give a quick shout-out. I was going to shit on LeBron, but I'm going to leave that until next week. Uh, that guy's just knocked to no end, saying that he should be voted for MVP. Like, have some fucking, you know, have some humbleness in your attitude. Goddamn. 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 Goddamn hate him. No, but I really want to give a quick buzzer beater to uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, we all know, you know, the OG Vlad Guerrero uh, was an absolute stud on the Montreal Expos and, and, and you know, one of the Hall of Famer be best players. He's going to be Hall of Famer. He's going to be the last Montreal Expo to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and so I don't know if you guys saw this. I posted it to our Instagram, but Vlad Guerrero was playing uh, for the Blue Jays last night in a game in Montreal and hit a walk-off homer wearing his dad's number 27 uh really cool stuff you can't write that stuff and uh so huge shout out to him he's in the minors right now he's the number three overall prospect i believe tom right yeah number three prospect in all baseball in all baseball so look for him to make his way into mlb he's gonna be a fan favorite he's gonna be a definite favorite of the end of regulation crew so uh i thought that was really cool and uh that's all i got for tonight boys brent um yeah, I got a little buzzer beater for you. Um, Mr. Jack White is back on tour. It's the first time in a couple of years that he's been he's been on tour. Uh, he's a weird motherfucker, obviously. I guess he's been holed up in some apartment in Nashville writing fucking music for the last few years. But uh, he is back. He had a live concert uh, stream on Twitter the other night uh, from Brooklyn. Um, I fucking found myself sitting there watching the entire two-hour concert on my laptop so the electric factory is back uh i have tickets i'll be seeing them in may but everyone if you like fucking rock and roll jack white of the white stripes and raconteurs fame is back and he's he's the greatest show on earth so go check him out listen to some rock lasagna let's hear it baby 
I'll let you kick off grinding my gears for this week. Yeah, I was going to say, this is less of a shout-out and more of not even grinding my gears. It's just pissing me off. Uh, and I don't, know if you guys, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but uh, rapper, new new rapper, Cardi B. Former stripper. Former stripper. Probably still a fucking stripper. Post, <laughs> for sure, for sure. She posted this, like, Instagram or, I don't know, social media video of her bitching about the government taking tax money from her. And she sound, she she's just, like, muttering like a fucking middle school girl trying to win an argument. And she's bitching about the government taking taxes from her. And I'm like, do you, are, do, are you aware of how fucking shit works in this country? Welcome to not getting paid under the table. Sorry, sorry you've been getting paid with fucking dollar bills stuffed up your ass for the last 20 years. Uh, but, I mean, some define stripper. That's pretty much what a stripper is, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is the definition. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but my point is, like, do you not understand that, like, your tax money goes to government funds, like, government-funded jobs, like, paying for the fucking military? The people who are, like, fighting for your right to get on a fucking social media Stage. platform. Damn, to get on a stands for the anthem. Yeah, a fucking right I do. And everyone Tom should. Tom loves the troops. We all love the troops. You should stand for the anthem. You know, I, you, I reserve the right for anybody to say what they want to say. But in my... I'm not going to get political here, actually. I'm going to curve that. I'm going to curve that. Cardi B, fuck you. Welcome to the real world. I From digress. all of us here at End of Regulation... I hope you get taxed out the fucking ass to make up for your 20 years of riding the system and fucking paying your bills in stripper money. Hey, IRS, hot take, audit her. I actually liked her music, too. Even though she fucking just stole everything she did from Kodak Black. I, you know, it was was catchy, but, like, fuck you. From Tom. Not even from EOR, from Tom. As you very well know, I appreciate a good tangent, so uh, I uh, I respect the hell out of that Cardi B shred fest. Um, I'll wrap up here quickly by just saying um, I wanted to spread a little culture uh, in addition to support in, t- in addition to sports. Um, can't speak very well, and I just learned how to read. So my buzzer beater this week is is a plug for uh, this new book that I've been reading, Raw, uh, written by Lamont Hawkins, otherwise known as You God of the motherfucking Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Cream. So I want to plug that and let everybody know that they need to go out and get this, download it, however the fuck people are reading today. Uh, It's an absolutely thrilling read from when he was first born in the projects in Park Hill, Staten Island, all the way to forming... Wu-Tang Clan with Method Man and the entire gang. So um, I think that'll be a good way to roll out some Wu-Tang Clan to close out. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure as always. We're out. Another week. Uh, uh, follow Young Gino. Follow in the regulation. Show some love. Take care. I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job. At second hands, moms bounced on old men. So then we moved to Shallon Land. A young youth, you're rocking the go to. Low goose, only way I begin to G York was drug loot. And let's start it like this, son. This one and that one, pulling out gas for fun But it was just a dream for the team Who was a fiend, started smoking wounds at 16 And running up
destination made my eyes bleed No question I will flow off and try to get the go off Sticking up white boys on ball boys My life got no better Same damn low sweater Times is rough and tough like leather Figured out I went the wrong route So I got with a sick ass click and went all out Catching keys from four C's Pulling in MPVs Every week we made 40 G's Yo nigga respect my A nigga to take knocks Yeah.